0: You're listening to episode 160 of the Voice in Canada podcast. Hey there, I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, one part physician, one part voice enthusiast, one big part Canadian, and one small part of our community, Northern Voice. Together, let's explore how voice technology is transforming our lives north of the border. Let's talk voice. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Voice in Canada podcast. I have a fantastic guest for you today. One of the uh, people who's actually going to be um, appearing on the Voice Den online reality show, which is happening today, the day that this podcast is being released, which of course is March 24th 2021 i do want to tell you just a little bit about the event it's known as the happy hour of voice and we have five voice influencers join us uh to answer your questions you get to come on uh sit on the hot speed hot seat so to speak if you'd like you don't have to and get a chance to have some of your questions answered the show is also sponsored by amazon alexa and google assistant and i'm so thankful to both of these companies for their generous sponsorship uh the event is entirely free to you so thank you to both of those tremendous companies you simply go to thevoiceden.com and you can reserve your seat there and i hope i will see you later on today one of the voice fluencers is actually the special guest for today's podcast and that is rana gujaral the ceo of behavioral signals and he and his company are doing very incredible very interesting work in the area of behavioral detection in the sound of our voice and how that can be used uh, for businesses um, to help guide the interactions with customers, with clients in a more efficient manner. So uh, I am joined by my co-host Ian Utili. This is a recording of The Voice Fluencer Show and without any further ado, let's get right to the interview. Here we are, gentlemen. How are you doing, Rana?
1: Doing fantastic, Terry. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. Hey Ian, good to
2: see
0: you.
1: It's good to be here. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy All Wednesday. All right,
0: happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, one week away from The um, from the Voice Den. Super excited to have you as part of that, uh, Rana. Uh, we'd love to learn a little bit about Likewise. you today. Awesome, it's gonna be a lot of fun, I know, I know. Um, Rana, why don't we just start off with a little bit of an introduction. For those that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of uh, your background and what your, what your story is?
2: My story, wow. Um, My story has been around sort of tinkering with product and technologies and uh, later on that tinkering sort of, uh, you know, I guess graduated into tinkering with companies. Um, So I've been like, you know, I've been building, I've been building products uh, and I've had this uh, amazing opportunity, uh, opportunities, set of opportunities to have been involved in this iconic product journeys. early part of my years were mostly focused on of so doing that in corporate setups. And I had this amazing opportunity to go build this time and attendance device back in the day at Kronos, which, uh, was a mega success. Um, then was uh, part of the, the, the Google TV journey, which was the precursor of the Chrome stick, um, had an amazing opportunity to do a private equity back turnaround, which was, uh, which was quite an experience did a startup that got acquired in 2016 and then most recently with behavioral signals uh we're building this incredible tech um that i believe is is the missing piece in taking our conversations to the next level Um, so we'll talk about that as well Uh, well i mean you just said you
0: said you set yourself up for that question so let's (laughs) let's hear a little more about that go ahead we'd love to hear
2: yeah i mean so i think our core focus right now is uh in deducing intelligent and actionable insights from the tone of voice. And as you know we, human communication is a very complex process and it depends not only just on the words being spoken uh, but also how they're expressed and that's what we focus on we focus on the how part and from the how which is the acoustic cues and tonations and other interaction signals we unravel a variety of signals emotion signals behavioral signals and also uh, go as far as sort of you know unraveling intense signals for example uh, what action will the participant in my conversation will undertake in the near future? If it's a client, will the client buy or not buy? If it's uh, if it's someone who has to sort of pay uh, debt or restructure a loan, will they do that or not, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of what we do. I mean, we're really sort of, you know, building this incredible technology that is focused on the acoustics of the conversation, the pitch and tonal variance prosody. And uh, and from that, we're unraveling a variety of these signals that can then be applied into many industry use cases.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this area, as, as as you know, Rana. We've been in some rooms together on Clubhouse and talking about uh, vocal biomarkers and all that kind of stuff. It's it's an, it's an absolutely fascinating, fascinating area. Um, yeah, I'd love to get Ian in here as well, though, and just uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Um, but Ian, uh, yeah, thoughts, questions for for Rana.
1: It's great to spend time with you. And it's been fun to jump on, but we've always heard each other's voice and then see avatars. It's definitely different (laughs) to be face to face. Mm. If you see my eyes over here, I'm just sharing our live videos everywhere, but I'm still listening to the conversation. I have a question for you around the future. If where are you most comfortable talking about the future? Like if you could choose to talk about, um, Three months out, six months out, like the end of this year, or if you could choose to talk about the end of this decade, or do you ever fantasize about where conversational AI, uh, neural language processing, artificial intelligence could be at for the following generations, like for your grandkids and their grandkids. So when it comes to vision casting for the future, where do you find yourself most comfortable?
2: I mean, I mean, this is a fantastic question. It's the first time someone's asked me that question, but it's an original. I have to give you that, uh, it, you know, and I, I feel that um, we have to look a little bit further ahead. We have to, we must, especially kind of, kind of where we stand right now in terms of the, you know, the technology landscape in general, sort of like, you know, a global landscape. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly what's happening in the next three months and six months and the next few years is relevant because those are the opportunities uh, you're going to go after. And so from an entrepreneurial standpoint, even from a technology standpoint, you got to keep an eye on that. Um, but you got to look a little bit further ahead. you got to look uh, at least a decade or so out, even much further out from that because uh, things are changing very, very fast. And uh, in order to really do anything impactful, uh, you got to have a longer view and I mean, art- artificial intelligence and other dynamics around technology, including aspects of conversational AI um, are going to be incredibly impactful And both, you know, uh, in a positive way, but also if not done right, there's going to be other potential negative impacts uh, which we have to sort of factor in now and start to build, uh, some capabilities to mitigate on, on now, especially on AI, on the side of AI. And so I, I feel, I feel that, uh, that's what we need to do. And especially, you know, look, I mean, folks like yourself, I mean, who are influencers or technologists and also, you know, other entrepreneurs who are building out these companies and Terry who's like, you know, from the med- medicine space, uh, in a, as a physician, you, it's, it's our responsibility to uh, sort of lead out and sort of uh, pro, uh, sort of provide a view of sort of like where things are going to be at. And, uh, and if you look at, by the way, if you look at the last decade, um, how fast that, that went by and uh, where were we uh, a decade ago in terms of you take like take a handful of these technologies, let's take NLP and NLU, uh, let's pick on those two. And where was NLP and NLU in, uh, you know, 20, uh, you know, uh, 10 years ago. And uh, that, that will give you a bench of sort of like, wow, I mean, uh, you know, that is amazing progression. And could we have predicted that? Yes, absolutely. And we did. And, um, you know, even though back in the day, the belief system wasn't as strong. And I think that is changing. I mean, aside from it, it's not just, you I know mean, people are sort of looking at it and say, yeah, I mean, those points of inflection that you've talked about. We're here. And now if you look at the angle and the delta of sort of like, you know, the curve, um, you believe it, which is it's pretty sharp. And so the next 10 years, it's going to be right here and it's it's going to not feel like 10 years. It's going to be like it just happened right away. Um, So that's that's my perspective.
1: Can I ask a follow up question to that? Yeah. So I'll just give you uh, an example and then you can kind of walk me through your thought process because I, I appreciate your answer. And so this is the scenario that comes to my head, like an ideal scenario. You're sitting down with the entire board, the CEO, the whole, all the chiefs, the whole entire decision-making team at one of the top three largest uh, financial institutions in the world. And so here you are, they're all looking at you. You're the expert in what you're doing with behavioral signals around FinTech. And they say, We trust you. We've been watching you. We've been watching behavioral signals. We think that you're our guy. So here's our proposal. We'd like to make a commitment to have you and your team, whether it's your existing team or you bring in outside contractors, we want you to lead this. We want you and your team to take a year to lay out a strategy of what we're going to do as a financial institution by 2030. And we're gonna give you two budgets. We're gonna give you one budget for this year for strategy, and we're going to commit to another budget for the following nine years to execute on that strategy. Our total budget is $100 million. Mm-hmm. Now you have to decide how much energy, money, time do you invest in the strategy in the first year and how much energy, money, and time do you use your team invest in the following nine years to execute on that strategy? I'm very, very interested in your answer.
0: This is such a good question. Oh, Ian. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: All right Ryan. yeah I mean Good luck. I mean I, I, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you um, it, it is uh, first possible first, of first off it is a very uh, in, in interesting and incredible question and also a very relevant question um, surprisingly I mean we've been thinking about those things internally we've been like sort of talking about sort of like you know if you if you are if you are the CEO and you are looking that far ahead um, what are the different things that you need to start to plan for and look for and you know um even sort of like have a view out for and uh, if you look at the financial sector i mean the the model changes i mean you just look at i mean the basic as essential aspects of uh, non-performing loans right i mean during the 2009 financial crisis npls doubled from the pre-crisis level and the COVID 19 pandemic has thrown these levels into staggering heights i mean by by the end of 2020 the u.s had almost 127 billion up from the 95 billion in 2019. And Europe was battling a 401 billion Euro wave in the new, in the red loans. And so where we're at now, and where we're sort of, you know, looking ahead, I mean, entering 2021, this is representing to be a significant strain. And at the same time, the methodologies, the technology, the sort of like the general insight in terms of how to react to this, including how to react to you know, the client base, especially in the financial sector is incredibly inefficient and very out of date um, and largely driven by human operators and analysis, which are, you know, very flawed in many different ways. So I think, you know, there is this sort of initial aspect of how am I going to continue to stay relevant? I got to do these things today, I mean, to continue to function as a bank. I mean, I need to sort of, you know, think about my current methods of debt collection and. Uh, and the inefficient and largely driven sort of processes that I have. And how do I leverage uh, some of these technologies uh, that can help me stay solvent? But then the, the the larger picture, which is like, OK, with the rest of the, the, the you know, the tens of millions bucket is going to be in terms of how I'm going to continue to build these relationships with my clientele, right? So what 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 has happened, in fact, in the last, I'd say, um, half a decade or so is there's this, this been intense push towards digitization, uh, largely driven by this goal towards uh, mitigating the, the the touch points and sort of also sort of minimizing costs. And that's come back to bite, you know, some of these people. Right? So now you have these um, new banks, uh, which actually don't even have a branch. I mean, there's no branch. I mean, it's just a phone app. And you have these clients that you've never met. There's no face to face interaction. And it has become a very, very transactional relationship. But you're spending a lot of time in building your brand. You're spending a lot of time in sort of building this sort of initial rapport and and, an aspect of trust and uh, but there's really no meat and potatoes. You don't really have the, you know, the tangible way. I mean, when you digitize it, when you make it seamless, it's good. I mean, it also minimizes costs, but it also you're replaceable. You know it's very easy for me to go away from robin hood today to another brokerage just because i don't like what you've done there's no relationship there's no loyalty and it goes both ways and i think what you're going to see is like you know in that in that new realm of digitization you're going to have to start to think about well how are you going to build trust and how are you going to continue to sort of you know uh use capabilities that you know, uh, allow you to preserve the trust that you've built when things go off course. Like, I mean, especially sort of like now we're looking at and you half a trillion dollars in, um, you know, in the rent loans or non-performing loans, half a trillion euros. Um, when you, you have to do something about it. But when you go out and engage with those clients, I mean, can you do it in a meaningful way? Could you do it in a manner that, allow you to still have a semblance of a relationship after you've had those conversations? Or is it going to be, um, you know, that that relationship ends right there because you did not manage it properly, you have no tools to sort of understand, um, you know, the state of the mind of the client or have, you know, proper ways of, uh, I guess, uh, solving some of those problems. And I think I think that's where that money is going to be spent, which is like, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, it's still going to be the first bucket, still going to be in the aspects of, um, you know, being able to function in this era of digitization. So using tools that allow you to be functionally remote and, you know, in a, in a distributed fashion, allow you to manage data. But the rest of the money bucket, if I'm you know, properly answering your question, is all going to be around in managing experiences and, and relationships and in building trust. Um, and if, uh, if you don't, um, I mean, you could build a company that ramps up really good, has multi-billion dollars in valuations and then disappears. And we would see that. I mean, I predict this, that in the next decade, you would have multi-billion dollar companies disappear overnight. Um, that's, that's a trend which we haven't seen before. I mean, companies don't disappear overnight. You would see those because they also appeared from nowhere. And I mean, they grew up yeah, that exactly fast and there's no basis of that. Yeah. And I think I think that's the decade. This is the decade for that. And you would see that you would see that, you know, those valuations sort of evaporating unless you have something else, something else most tangible around around empathy, around relationships, around trust um, and financial sex is no different. So I think that's what they got to focus on. Everybody's got to focus
1: on that. Yeah. Well, that's thank great. you for answering my unique questions. I uh, I appreciate your insight. Back to you, Terry. So I thanks, team. That's
0: a great question. Fantastic question, uh, Rana. I, I do want to be respectful of your time, so I just want to ask you one or two, maybe maybe shorter questions, if that's okay. Um, one of them is just coming back to the the core technology here with the with the vocal biomarkers and the and the inflection in the voice. Where do you see the best use of that particular technology in the financial sector? Like, how is that actually going to be used? What are the what are the use cases for that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean, the use cases in the financial sector and across the board in other sectors are all around, um, you know, delivering the, the 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 Uber and the most optimal experience uh, for your uh, for your client engagements. And uh, you're you're having these conversations, you're having these engagements and these touch points. And for the most part, these happen to happen in a call center. Uh, where either your client's calling in, or you have to call your client for whatever reason, and that's really the touch point. Typically, the most tangible touch point between a corporation, within a between a business and a client, is is happening. And so you have to you have to maximize, you have to optimize those interactions. And uh, when you look at you know uh, you know conversational AI and emotional AI, that's what we're focused on. And but there are three phases. Now I look at it in three different phases. The phase one is before the conversation. Actually happens. You got to do things there. Then there's a phase where, during uh, where the conversation is actually happening, occurring. And the third is the conversations ended, and now you're trying to gather intelligent insights. And what you see is that for the most part, the industry focus has been in the third phase, which is
1: conversations ended.
2: Let me understand. Uh, you know how the conversation actually went. And typically, that that has been taking the audio, converting that into text using a speech to text engine, and then parsing the text for meaning. And that has served us well. I mean, I think we've come a long way in most of these conversational stacks. And now you're seeing some interesting solutions that are playing in the middle phase, which is hey, uh, how do I help during a live conversation? Can I guide the agent better? Can I predict some things? But one of the big uh, opportunities we see as a company is in the first phase, which has largely been overlooked, which is hey, you could do a lot of things to create value before an agent ever picks a phone up to call a client or, uh, you know, an agent answers the call from the uh, from from the from the customer who's calling in. And that's why using intelligent biomarkers to understand conversational rhythms and getting the right people in front of each other. Right. So, you know, what we believe is that there are no good clients or bad clients. And also there are no good agents or bad agents, which is a a very commonly perceived thing in the industry that there are certain agents that are good, certain that are bad in terms of performance. What we believe is that when you're talking about conversations or any client interaction, they're just good matches and bad matches. That's it. So if you can make more good matches, you're going to get better business results. And we're looking to solve for that by focusing on these biomarkers and creating these conversational bioprints that you can by, you know, keying off of previous interactions and focus on the acoustics of that of those interactions. And then when you do these efficient uh, AI-based matchmaking, you see magical business outcomes, right? So we're seeing like a revenue improvement from between 10 to 15%, which is staggering um, just by getting the right people in front of each other. And so that's uh, that's the opportunity I believe um, is the one I'm most excited about uh, for the financial sector, for the banking industry, um, and specifically for the collection space because that's a complicated space, it, especially when it comes to conversations.
0: Sure, that's great. Well, th- thanks thanks for that. That that sort of gives us a little bit more of a concrete framework to see like where you where you're focusing, and that that's very very helpful. Um, Rana, I, I want to thank you so much for, for being part of this. I'd love to uh, ask you um, one final quick question and then give you an opportunity to share where people can catch up with you. Uh, we're thrilled that you're going to be joining us uh, in the Voice Den next Wednesday. Um, and, you know, some of the attendees are going to have the opportunity to ask you some questions. Um, you know, some of what you've said already today is, is clearly, you know, an area that you're passionate about. But if there were certain questions that you would love people to ask you, what is your sweet spot to speak about? What would that be? Like, what kind of topics would you love to be able to speak on and answer questions about?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I have a lot of fun in general talking about, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, intersects of technology and opportunity landscape, um, specifically related to AI and other deep learning technologies. Uh, I'd love to talk more about that. Uh, I'd also love to talk more about sort of, sort of you know, the general sort of, uh, the the experience landscape and, you know, how the conversational AI is uh, having an impact in that landscape. So I'd love to talk about that as well. Um, I mean, I've had uh, some amazing journeys uh, in terms of sort of uh, uh, building and scaling startups. And uh, so I'd love to talk about that as well. I mean, if there's an, uh, you know, uh, sort of more sort of inclination towards entrepreneurship or building companies, love to love to go there as well. All of those things are fun topics for me.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks. We're so looking forward to that. Rana, um, this has been so great. Uh, Can you please uh, take a moment and and share with the listeners, with the viewers, everybody out there, and all the various social media channels that we're on live right now and people that will hear the recording, where can they go to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, uh, you can reach out to me on a variety of different social media platforms of your of your preference. Um, I mean, uh, LinkedIn works great. Uh, or I mean, the easiest is probably go to my web page rana.gudrall.com. Um, there's a contact us uh, form. You know, put out why you would like to talk and sort of like how should we interact. And I'll I, I get an email. I usually always respond uh, if it's actually clear in terms of sort of what the agenda is. Uh, you will hear back from me. I guarantee you that and uh, would, would, would engage. Um, and I think that's probably the best way.
0: Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rana and his company, Behavioral Signals. Fascinating work. I am really interested in this whole area of vocal biomarkers and the implications this has, not only for the sector that he's working in, but also, but also for, uh, for healthcare. So uh, with that, uh, please check out the uh, podcast show notes. You can find that on the voiceincanada.ca uh, website. And again, a quick reminder, you are more than welcome to join us thevoiceden.com for the event uh, today, March 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific. Again, it is uh, no charge due to the generous sponsorship of Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Our five voice influencers are Rana, who you just heard lots about, Greg Bulmish, who is a solutions architect for Amazon Alexa. We also have Brooke Hawkins joining us, who is a conversation designer at MyPlanet. We have Anna McKenzie, who is the Enterprise Solutions Engineer at VoiceFlow. And last but certainly not least, we have Jeremiah Oyang, who is a tech analyst in the uh, voice space currently, although he has a big history of being an analyst in all different areas of tech. And currently, he is really following the social audio uh, space very, very closely. So we have a wonderful lineup of speakers. I hope you'll join us. And again, you get to ask your questions. Just go to thevoiceden.com. So we will see you there on Wednesday. I will be giving uh, a couple of hints to a very, very special event that is coming up subsequent to that. It'll be a first for the voice community, and I can't wait to share that with you. So we'll see you there uh, Wednesday, today, uh, 5 o'clock Pacific, thevoiceden.com. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you later.